Hi there, I'm Janine, and you're listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine, and this is Get the Funk Out. It's my pleasure to welcome to this week's show, Randy Thomas. Thanks for joining us. Thank you. So lovely to be here. I have followed your career. I've certainly heard you doing a gazillion things. Uh, Let's talk about your backstory. How did you go about getting into this industry? Because I know from experience, I'm a voice actress, it is really challenging. Yes. It's a very challenging and increasingly competitive uh, way to earn a living, but I'm all about being passionate about what I do every day, and uh, voiceover became a natural extension of being a disc jockey on the radio, Makes which sense. is how we first met. That's right. You know, it's interesting. I feel like um, the name of my show is Get the Funk Out, by the way. I love it. Thank yeah. you. I feel like you can't just do one thing, you know, say, I'm going to be a voice actor. When I first came here in uh, 2000, I, that's all I wanted to do. I, I, wanted, I got an agent, and I said, all I want to do is voice acting. She said, you have to be well-rounded. You need to do on camera and other things. And then over time, I got it. And if you can use your voice in different ways, you end up growing. True. And even within the, um, the world of voiceover, there are so many genres. You know, people say, do I have a good voice for voiceover? It's the number one question I get asked. Mm-hmm. And I say it's not about the voice anymore. So we're, under the umbrella called voiceovers, we have character acting. Character acting can be applied to animation. It can be applied to commercials, video games, even audiobooks where you're voicing the different characters within the, the, bo- the book, um, each character needs its own voice. So to develop the character aspect, and a lot of people that have what they think are funny or quirky voices, they think that that would be the best track for them. And then there's narration, both uh, whether you're watching Discovery Channel or if you're online listening to a, an educational narration Um, specific to a job you're pursuing. All of these areas, I happen to excel in the world of live announcing, as well as in promos, you know, Mm -hmm. coming up tonight. It's an all-new Nightline on ABC. Uh, I do the promos for Nightline, and I'm also the in-show voice. So there are so many areas of voiceover that you can explore, and each voice should find the proper way uh, and and avenue that they can express themselves. Could you mention some of the things that you voice? Because there's a lot. Okay. Well, when I first started in voiceover, I was a disc jockey, and the first job that I got outside of being on the radio was for a reading program called Hooked on Phonics. Oh, so yeah. perhaps right. you'll remember me saying, call 1-800-A-B-C-D-E-F-G. Um, That was my first job doing the commercials, which were 30-second commercials in the late 80s and early 90s. They were literally heard somewhere in America every 30 seconds, and that was pretty crazy. But then my big break where I left being a DJ to move into the world of voiceover happened for me when I booked the Academy Awards as the first woman in history. That's right. And from the Oscars, which I did nine times I, in 2018, was my ninth time behind the mic for the Academy Awards. Um, I then went on to do all the shows because 
the world of live announce when I started was very much a male uh, voiced uh, world sure. and there were no women and because there were so few men that could actually do live announce uh, when I became the first I was then the go-to girl so I did the Emmys the SAG Awards the Tony Awards and now I just completed my 20th consecutive year as the Tony's announcer. Whoa, congrats. Uh, thank you. And then I also did uh, the Kennedy Center Honors for the past four years, the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Uh, those are the kind of shows that I am very proud to say that I'm a part of. It's fantastic. A lot to be proud of. Thank you very, very much. Sorry, of course. Why am I getting the, the voice phlegm? Uh, <laughs> my voice was fine all morning until we got on this interview. Oh, that's so funny. I find that so humorous, yes. <laughs> and for people that uh, don't know much about the industry, you know, becoming a voice actor requires a lot of hard work. I mean, I've taken workshops and things. It's something you, right. you can't take lightly. No, because if you look at who is out there in the world of voiceover succeeding, you yeah. know that these are dedicated actors who are are trained in their specific field they are professional they have a professional recording setup that they're working from whether they're in a studio or in their own home studio today we all have to have the ability to record state-of-the-art audio from our home which is why um, voiceover has changed you know back in the day when I first started in the 90s here um, you had to go to a studio to do your work. Today, the buyers, whether it's the network or a commercial, or they don't even want to pay studio rates anymore. They want you to be able to record from home. Mm-hmm. And you don't actually get paid a studio rate. You only get a paid to boy, uh, you get paid to actually do the performance, the recording, and that's what they're buying. Yes. Um, and they've just wiped out that whole studio engineer cost from their budgets. And that's, that's how you have to be competitive today. There are just a few buyers that will still take voice actors, especially the celebrities that are doing big commercials like John Hamm for Mercedes. He's not doing it from home. He's walking into a studio to do that. But those days and those doors are quickly closing. What's your opinion? Because we've shifted from ISDN to sometimes people use Source Connect. Mm-hmm. I mean, what are some of the technologies that, that you use? So for the folks that have never heard those four letters, ISDN, and they say, what is that? Uh, my joke is I say, I still don't know. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's a digital way that our voice can get from our microphone to any studio or computer um, in the world. And uh, so ISDN is a technology, it's old. It was actually created through phone lines with a stereo phone line. One line is going to the buyer and the other line is coming to you so they can direct you over that same line. But it's still a telephone line. So IPDTL, which is one of the new ways that we can do ISDN. So for example, IPDTL is a program that you can buy uh, it comes out of London, and this program will enable you to do digital recordings with your buyer, wherever they are, but it's computer to computer. ISDN is literally telephone lines, and if you don't have an ISDN line, 
it costs today maybe six or eight hundred a month wow. for you to carry an ISDN line, and no one wants to do that anymore. But for an example, I'm the voice of Nightline on ABC. They still utilize the ISDN technology. So I just moved into a rental house here in uh, Southern California. I'm not going to pay the money to lay an ISDN phone line to my home. So I'm choosing to use the IPDTL technology, which gives my buyer, Nightline, two phone numbers that they have to dial in. That's what that technology understands. ISDN is dialing regular phone numbers. They can dial those numbers, and they'll wind up right in my laptop. So Amazing. The techno- yeah, the technology is changing to enable us to be able to do this work at a very affordable rate, especially since the buyers don't even want to pay extra <laughs> for the convenience of being able to work with you anytime, 24-7. What do you think um, is one of the hardest things people need to know Get you know, deciding to become a voice actor? Well, I think you have to learn how to step around and sidestep the folks who literally take advantage of people who want to learn voiceover. Oh, yes. There is a company out there, and I was just before we spoke, Janine, I was on the phone with a gal that's interested in studying with me, and she told me she spent several thousand dollars with a training company that they target people who have never done any voice work. They bring them into a room. They ask you to read something, and they assess your ability, I guess. And then they charge you thousands of dollars to train you and record your demo. Ugh. So I say if there's a group or, or coach that you are working with that immediately wants to lock you in on a demo, that's the wrong coach for you. Right. Because you should never be encouraged to do a demo until you've done the proper amount of training. For some people, that could be six weeks. For others, it could be six months or six years. So to spend the money, which is well over $1,000 per demo, um, on a demo when you're not ready, you know, there's an expression, you um, never get a second chance to make a first impression. I love that, yes. I Mm -hmm. say wait until you really have the ability to do this work and be as good as the competition, um, you need to wait. You need to study with different coaches, figure out exactly what area of voiceover you'll be successful in. Most people should start out with commercials. That is the great entry level for voiceover because there are so many different kinds of commercials. There should be one that, you know, that you would be right for. Right. What's interesting is I remember when I first started out, uh, I had an L.A. uh, voiceover agent, and they'd say, no, don't use a radio voice. You have to be more conversational. And it took time to understand what that means. And then she'd say, just talk to me the way you're speaking to me me right now. Mm -hmm. And I I thought, oh, I get it, you know. Um, And you also, yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. Well, I was going to say, those of us that came out of radio, we had proper broadcast training, Mm -hmm. which made us so-called announcers. I mean, that's truly how I found my career. I was a DJ on the radio. The Oscars picked me to be the first woman to announce the show, and so I became a professional announcer. Um, If I were trying to do commercials, 
most commercials come with the little subtext that say, no announcers, please, real people. Yes. So that's why someone off the street, just being a regular person, might actually have a better shot at a commercial than I would (laughs) if they're just looking for a regular person. And it takes time to kind of master that conversational way of speaking. It's not just an easy thing. Correct. And there are different levels of conversation. I have a daughter who's 21, and she has that millennial speak. And she actually just signed with an agent uh, last week. So, yeah, she sees herself putting herself through her senior year by booking a few commercials. And uh, she realizes that the kind of money she can make doing that far surpasses her summer jobs where she even made up to $18 an hour. (laughs) (laughs) She sees that there's a bigger payday in voiceover, but she's a business student. She doesn't consider herself an actor or a creative. She sees herself as a businesswoman, and she's figuring out that balance because she does find the money so attractive Right. she's lucky enough to book something. Yeah, and that's very true, what you just said, if you're lucky enough to book something. And I remember uh, getting an audition, and I, I had a long day, and I thought, oh, I, I don't really want to do this one. I'm so tired. And it was like the voice of um, a bear for, a, for, uh-huh. a, for a, um, a, a big game company. And I thought, right. I'm just going to go for it. I'm going to do my research. I'm going to look up what they're looking for. It's not cartoony, it's realistic. And I did it, and I booked it, and I got into SAG. And oh, my goodness. I was That's thrilled. Great. I was thrilled. And, you know, so I think you should go for everything that comes your way, especially something that's union, and and just and give it your all. Don't hold back and think, oh, I look stupid, I sound stupid. Like, just go for it. Correct. You cannot have that voice judging you mm-hmm. while you're in the read. If you're having a conversation in your head and judging yourself while you're reading a piece, you never know what the buyer's looking for. You never know if you don't really give it 100% and try it. And sometimes when we're tired, we can let our guard down a little bit more and maybe not be so judgy and just go, oh, what the hell, I'm just going to read it and give it my best and then I'll send it off and forget about it. It's funny that those are usually the jobs we book. Isn't that funny? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) When we put too much into it and we want it so badly, it's almost as though the buyer can smell that desperation. Mm -hmm. And they're not hearing what they're looking for. They're hearing someone that's just super hungry. Yes. And that's not the way to book the work. So let me ask you, when you did this job or this audition, was this in a home studio or was it at a radio station you were able to use the production room? I I have had a home studio for a while now. It's nothing majorly sophisticated, but the quality is perfect enough for auditions. And I submitted it. And then they called me in, and uh, the producer said, I want you to sit down for a minute. I want to just tell you that we had over 900 submissions, and I played your audition for somebody, and I, I didn't put your, your slate, your name, and they thought it was a guy, and we were, crack- uh, we were cracking up because uh, it was like, mm, you know, like this bear, yeah. you know. And Ooh, that, I just... That, that hurts my voice just hearing you do that. No, anyway. it just, <laughs> you know, I, I would say, you know, have fun, and... I always hear cast and directors say, don't come across as desperate, like you got to book the job, you know. Yeah, yeah, it's true. And so what niche, what area or genre of voiceover would you say that 
you're most likely to audition for? I was doing a lot of animation for a while uh, because mm-hmm. I love uh, characters from little girls to little old ladies to, you know, nerdy little boys. Mm-hmm. Um, and then commercials. I, I feel like I've uh, gotten accustomed to the more conversational tone, you right. know, uh-huh. and understanding the copy. Um, yeah, so, so I would say between those, not so much audiobook, uh, right. you know, not narration, things right. like that. Right. Well, the thing about audiobooks is um, unlike having to get something perfect in, you know, 30 seconds, audiobooks can be hundreds to a couple of thousand pages. Right. And that is a long-term commitment to get through that. But the, the bottom line on audiobooks is you only get paid per finished hour. So, uh, for example, I read a novel, a dystopian novel, a couple of months ago, and I'm going to be finishing it at the end of this month. Um, it turned out to be a three-and-a-half-hour audiobook. Whoa. How many hours did it take for me to get three-and-a-half finished hours? Probably for maybe about 12 hours. Oh, my so gosh, you're only Randy. getting paid for the finished hour. <laughs> That's right. right. Yes. And yet it took me say, four hours to get one finished hour. So that's the better you are at reading, the better an actor you are, the better a reader you are, and the better an editor you are. People that do audiobooks tend to also have to do their own editing. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a big commitment. Luckily, I was just brought into a studio. I was able to read it and not have to edit or do anything else with it uh, after the fact. But uh, those those jobs are far and few between where a studio actually uh, is where you record. Most people record audiobooks from home, and all they're doing all day is reading and editing, reading and editing. Right. It's, it's a real commitment there. You have to not mind being alone maybe in a small space. could be your closet. Correct. Most people, in fact, I remember my daughter telling me, because she would see me in my home studio. Yes. And being at home alone and... She would say, I think your job is horrible. It's the worst. (laughs) But now she sees why it's a great way to earn a living. But she's still too social a creature. If you want to be a social creature, voiceover may not be for you. Exactly. Uh, What advice would you give people who are in a professional creative funk? Because it's very hard in this industry to stay positive. Well, I think like anything, you have to be positive. You have to, you know, I, I believe that you have to train, okay? So you study with great coaches. You master whatever area of voiceover you are approaching. But then you also have to leave open a little room for the universe to deliver you a miracle. And I believe all of that begins with dreaming, having intention, thinking about your life, if it were perfect, what it looks like, and what your day would look like as a voiceover actor, get up in the morning, maybe go exercise, be back in front of your microphone by 10 a.m. and working till 4 in the afternoon, and then you, you know, you put out some marketing pieces in between. This is the life of a voice actor. So if you have that dream and that vision, you never know. Someone could tap you on the shoulder and say, hey, I'm looking for a voice. Would you be interested? It's true. Right? Have you ever had something happen like that out of nowhere? 
I've had people say, I, I, I love the sound of your voice. Um, what do you do? Mm-hmm. Um, and I told them, you know, I have a radio show and I'm a voice actress. And, um, and that they might say, oh, I know somebody who is a casting director. You should get in touch right. with them, you know. You, exactly. just, you never know. And voice actors are all over that. You know, anytime we think there's a lead, or if you know someone that owns a business that either has online narration or they're doing commercials in their market, even if it's a small market, mm-hmm. um, you know, reach out. Let them know I'm available to do this commercial. If you're union, obviously, you have to make sure they're willing to go through the union. But today we have payroll companies that will cover that for you. So they are the uh, signature producer for the union, and it doesn't cost that much more to make uh, something union. Most buyers, most businesses just don't want to deal with the complications of going through the union. So we as the talent have to figure out how to make that easy for them, and there are lots of ways to do that these days. Yes. Uh, What's your opinion about taking improv as a voice actor? Oh, my gosh. I would say that's usually right up in the top five things I suggest. Yes. If you're lucky enough to be in a market where there is an improv club or improvisational acting coaches, it's the best thing. Because if you think about what your day is like as a voice actor, you might have a commercial where you're uh, selling a car, and then the next thing that comes your way is you're a mushroom in a commercial, you know. I mean, you never know what's coming next. So the fact that with improv you're able to go from one scene to another, you know, uh, doing all of the, the tricks and things necessary to completely change where you're coming from, um, it's the best day ever, you know, doing all these kinds of work. And live announce is, is a different kind of read. And the funny thing that people don't realize is that live announce isn't always live. A lot of the oh. shows I do, I have to pre-record, and then they get played out as if they're live. So yeah. um, that's the fun thing about live, when you don't actually have to go there to be the voice. Amazing. I have to say, uh, I think the improv has helped me quite a bit, especially when you go into a booth. Um, mm-hmm. And let's, I've taken workshops with a couple of people where I get a little nervous, but then mm-hmm. you, you put on your improv you know, hat, and I forget who's on the other side of the booth. There's students, there's the casting director, right. and you just shift into this, I use my whole body into character, and you just give it your all. It's true. It is the physicality. Because, you know, for an actor on stage, half of their performance is their physicality. But in a booth where you're just speaking into a microphone, you have to create the physicality knowing that the listener can't see you, but hopefully they hear it. They hear the acting that you are doing. They, well, they don't hear you doing the work, but they hear you as that actor, and you, they believe you. So we often have to be able to prepare ourselves for whatever read we're about to do. Mm-hmm. And uh, improv is a great way to get into that. And plus, especially if you're doing video games and things like that, where you don't just get to do one character, they usually need you to do various ancillary other characters. Right, like fighter pilots. and <laughs> Right, right, or just, you know... Anything. I, I don't do that work. That, to me, is really hard. It's hard on the voice. 
yelling over and over again mm-hmm. for different scenes, and people really have to learn how to self-protect when they're doing that kind of work. Right. Yeah, absolutely. You know, like that bear sound. That sounded like if you did that for a long time, that would definitely hurt your voice. So that would be the sound I would do last. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I would do the other voices that are easy, easier on the actual vocal cords to create. And then the yelling. You, you know, most actors that do video games, they try to push those sessions to a Thursday or Friday so that they have the weekend to rest their voice before they have to work again on Monday. Makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Yeah. So where can people find out more about you? Well, thank you for asking. Uh, my website is randythomasvo, for voiceover.com. That's R-A-N-D-Y-T-H-O-M-A-S-V-O.com. And that's where I am on Instagram, Twitter, and I have a Facebook page. And my website, uh, I do coach. I do Skype coaching or Zoom coaching. And I also put on an event called VO Mastery. And this year, we're actually going to take only, I usually sell like 100 to 125 seats. This year, we're doing it in a very exclusive location in a villa up in Solvang. And we're only taking Mm. 10 participants for an all-inclusive, immersive, intensive weekend into, um, let me see, we're looking at narration, mm-hmm. uh, promo, in-show, live announce, radio imaging, for those of you that are on the radio and understand what that is, as well as commercials and video games. Fantastic. So, yeah, so that's kind of fun. I'm looking forward to this first retreat that we're going to do in October with only 10 students for a a, a weekend that when they come out of the other side, they would be ready and prepared to enter the game or continue working at a whole new level. And 10 people is a great group. It's an intimate group. We're very focused. You know, mm-hmm. too big is not good. Right. You should come and do this, Janine. Come. It sounds great. <laughs> the Santa Inez Valley is calling you. Whoa. All right, I'm going to have to make a note of this because it does sound good. One last thing before we wrap. I understand you have a podcast. Oh, yes. It's called the Music Connection Podcast, where we are interviewing artists from all different genres of music. We have Ty Dolla Sign, who has one of the biggest hits on the radio today, to Vance Joy, nice. Reda Van Fleet. This week's show, we did a two-parter with Diane Schur. And Diane is amazing. She is a blind jazz vocalist and pianist who is now in her 29th year of sobriety. And we talk about how she has managed to continue her career, travel the world, and maintain her sobriety in this crazy world. And I hope you'll tune in. It's a fascinating interview with her. Fantastic. I want to thank you so much for calling in. Your website one more time. Randy Thomas. VO.com and VOMastery.com. Perfect. It's been a pleasure having you on the show. Thanks so much. Uh, thank you. Super fun. Appreciate it. If you missed any part of this, everything is up on my show blog. Get the funk out show.kuci.org. If you want to follow me on Twitter, I'm at moms, M O M Z underscore rock. You've been listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine.